The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Church, I'm excited for this one. I'm supposed to say that because I'm faster. I really am, though. Um, God cares about us as his church. He cares about what we do. He cares about how we do it. He cares about how we function, how our church is protected and led. He cares about our church, and he cares about your role in the church. He cares. And um, I want to tell you this, not in some vague way. I'm talking specifically to you and to our church. Our God cares and cares greatly. And um, in 1 Timothy, this is a letter that we are going to see just how much God cares about his church and about you in the church. Um, And listen, before we get to a word, before we even open and start with our first word, I would love to start our time off, as I said, this is the beginning, um, with a, um, a bit of a caution. I want to give us a few words of caution as we step into this, this book together. Um, and my hope is that this caution will set a tone for us together as we walk through 1 Timothy. Uh, first of all, I hope and I pray that as we walk through this incredible book, that we are going to come across things that we're going to read and say, oh, I see that in my life. Oh, I see that in my church. My hope, by the grace of God, is that we're going to read some things together in this book and say, praise God, we see this. Like, praise God, I see this in my life, my church. And so the first few words of caution I want to give is what should we do when that happens? What should we do when that happens? When we read and we we say we see this. Well, I want to give us some caution because there is a few things that might happen that are not good. Uh, For example, first, it could lead us to pride. Could lead us to pride. Um, We've seen this happen, but it's when we read something and we think, whoo, we are awesome. Man, look at us. We are so great. I mean, we're doing this. We are, we are great. Like it could lead us there. That pride. Maybe though, it could lead us not just to pride, but a little bit of judgment. And that's when you say, you know what? Whoa, we are awesome. And you know what? They're terrible. When you say, you know what? Look at how terrible fill in the blank church is down the street. I mean, they do this wrong. They do that wrong. We are great. They are terrible. By the way, here's the thing. You might be correct in some of your observations, but being right with the wrong heart is wicked. Judgment. So pride, judgment. Maybe it's not that, though. Maybe it's just an overall complacency where you read it and you go, whew, all right, cool. We're good. Why do we have to spend time here? I mean, I see this. We're doing it. Why do we have to talk about it? Why do we, can we move on to something else? Or are we spending our time? 
Listen, our church, the church, is not helped by any of those responses. Push it further. You're not helped by any of those responses. And I want to caution you um, that instead of these responses, in 1 Timothy, when we read things and we say, oh, I think we're doing this. I think we see this. When that happens, rather than pride, rather than pride, let's instead focus our hearts on gratitude and praise, saying, God, thank you for what we see. Thank you that you are good. Thank you for the brothers and sisters that you have brought together, and thank you for what we're seeing that is good in our life. Thank you. Start praise over pride, number one. How about judgment? Rather than judgment, I want to encourage us to have hearts of compassion and intercession. What I mean by this is, let's pray specifically for fill-in-the-blank church down the street. Let's lift them up. Where there's struggle, where there's sin, where we see unfaithfulness, let's hit our knees in prayer, and let's hit our knees in prayer far before we talk about it with others. Like, let's pray. Let's intercede. Let's have compassion. Let's let our hearts break with compassion rather than pride, intercession for our church rather than judgment on those people out there, okay? Lastly, instead of complacency, instead of complacency, thinking, ah, we're good, let's instead lean in together all the more. Um, Let's protect what is good with even more diligence. Um, 1 Corinthians 10 says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And I want to tell you something. One thing I know for absolute certainty is that the enemy does not want our church to be a 1 Timothy church. The enemy does not want our church to be healthy. Our enemy does not want you to be healthy. That's kind of the whole purpose of his life. He does not want this. And so if you see things by the grace of God that you think, praise God, we see these things. Okay, we praise God for them, but let's diligently know what is good and let's protect it against wandering away. Okay? Those are my first cautions. When you read something, you think, okay, we're doing it. We're doing it. Let's talk about the other side. Church, what do we do, on the other hand, when and if we read something in God's word and we think, I think I missed the mark here. I think we could do better here. What do we do when we read something and we think, God, we could be more faithful in this area. What do we do? Okay, right off the bat, response number one, when this happens, confession and repentance. And we don't try to justify ourselves, but that we would repent. Um, we We need to think about it like this. We want to be a people that not only read God's word, but we want to be a people that lets God's word read us. And we need to respond with repentance, confess and repent. So that's first, first and foremost. Second, um, and again, I want this to set the tone for our whole time together in 1 Timothy. Repent, and then let's remember and reapply the gospel. Remember and reapply the gospel. Okay, how many know that you are a sinner? 50% of you know the truth about you, all right? All right, look to your left at that wonderful person sitting beside you. How many know that as lovely as they are, they're a sinner? And to the right, yeah, 100% sinner. Here's the thing. The church is a collection 
of sinners who have been saved by the grace of God. The church is not a collection of perfect people who act perfectly in every perfect moment. The church is a collection of sinners who have been saved by grace, and that's why you fit so well here, and that's why I fit so well here. Not perfect people, but people who are being perfected, being sanctified day by day by the grace of God. This this means that as a part of the church and as a Christian, you're going to see things as you spend time in God's word, you're going to see areas where you have missed the mark. You're going to see areas where the church you love could be more faithful You're going to see, we're going to see God's word reveal sin. What happens when we do that? Well, we first, back to point one, repent of that. But then second, it it means we don't cut ties with each other. Um, Immediately run to try to find a church of perfecter people with uh, people who act more perfectly. Because you know that church doesn't exist. What it means instead is that we lean into the gospel all the more together here. And that we remember we've been saved by grace and so that we walk with patience with our brothers and sisters offering grace, speaking truth and love, putting them in front of ourselves. In other words, we need to love each other the way Christ has loved us. We need to come back to the gospel. Remember it and reapply it. So we repent. We remember and reapply it. Listen, I believe God has called you here. I do placed you here in this church at this time for a reason. And so if and when First Timothy shows us areas that we personally have missed it or our church has missed something, I pray that when that happens, God might have you here to be a part of the solution. And I love when he does that. So with patience, we speak truth grace and we, we, we repent and remember the gospel, okay? So real quickly, here's my words of caution, all right? Very quickly, you ready? When we read this letter and we think, okay, nailed it, got that one right. We, no pride, instead praise. No judgment, instead we have compassion and we intercede and no complacency, don't you dare, but we are more diligent. That's on this hand. On the other hand, When we read this and we think, that one hurt. When we do that, we repent and confess. And then we remember and we reapply the gospel together because after all, we are a gospel people saved by the grace of God. That's what we do together. God cares about his church so much so that he sent Jesus to die for it. God cares for his church so much so that he sent his spirit to indwell us, so much so that he gave us this. He gave us 1 Timothy, which is a resounding example of how much our God cares about you, about us. He loves you. All right. I do have one final thing, and then I promise we will get here. Final line of clarification. It's always hard to get into a new book. You got all this groundwork to lay. Um, Final line of clarification. Um, 1 Timothy is going to bring clarity. It's going to bring clarification on exactly what we believe together as a church. It's not going to leave much room for gray areas in a lot of things. Um, In fact, 1 Timothy is going to bring us to some very difficult subjects together. Some things that you dare say might be controversial things. Um, 
And we are going to walk through these things together as a church with grace and truth together. Um, As we get to these tough topics, listen, our elders are here. We've been praying for this for a while, Um, preparing ourselves for this. Each one of us, I know, has felt the weight of stepping into a book like this. And um, if we can help clarify anything as we walk through this, Please approach me, approach any of us. Our hope is to preach the word of God and to bring clarity where God's word is clear and to bring charity where God's word is open. And here, we are gonna find in 1 Timothy that this is a book of clarity. And so on so many things, we are gonna walk through this together. And listen, we believe that there is unity in that clarity, not just unity around some ideology, um, but unity around what we believe the word of God teaches. So we're going to walk through this together. But please know, as we walk through this letter, please know if we can help you, walk with you. If you have questions, even if they're big, even if they're small, we're here. We're going to go through this together as a church. All right, it's time. All right, enough groundwork. Uh, we are going to get into our text, First Timothy. We're only going to be in the first two verses today. Um, And uh, what we're going to see is a fairly typical greeting as we walk through this. Um, But as we get through this, we're really going to kind of set the stage for the rest of our time together in this letter. So let me, let us read it first. I'll pray for us and we'll get started. We'll get started unpacking. All right. First Timothy chapter one, verses one through two, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. God, we are here at the beginning of a journey, at the beginning of this incredible book. And I pray that as we have already spoken, that you would... um, not only just let us come and read your word, but that in these moments that your word would truly read us, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And God, that all of this would be for your glory and your glory alone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, this, this text, a little bit about some context. Um, and let me just say this. It, it, again, it's always difficult to start into a new letter. It always is, is because there is so much context and history and background that kind of comes out as you're stepping into a new letter. And, and listen, this is not a history class. Some of you are like, thank you. Um, this is not a history class. This is not a Bible history course. Those are great, but here's my, here's my thing. I'm here and my, my, my goal is to preach this, um, to preach this, and, and that means that there's going to be some really interesting facts that maybe aren't that useful, I'm not going to bring up. Here's the thing, though. I'm, I nerd out on this stuff. So if you want to nerd out with me, let's get some coffee. We can nerd out about details and context. Um, but I'm not going to get into a whole lot of that here. So if you're here and you are like the majority of us and you don't love history class, um, don't worry. Hang with me, though, because what we are going to see in this intro is really important. It's going to help us understand and apply this letter. I'm only going to hit the important stuff, in other words, okay? Um, Let's start with one of the most important things to ask is who wrote this letter? Who is our author? 
Well, our text says it. It says, Paul, first word, Paul, uh, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Our author is Paul. Question one, right? Uh, not Timothy, by the way. Uh, Paul. We'll get to Timothy in here in a bit. The Apostle Paul. And it's not just the Apostle Paul, but I want you to know that this was Paul at the very end of his life, in the very end of his ministry. Um, most likely, this letter was written between 62 and 64 AD, which means probably nothing for the vast majority of us together. But what that does mean is it was right before Paul's final imprisonment, final arrest. He was nearing his end, and uh, he knew it. And the final imprisonment would lead him to execution by Rome. And, and um, one of the biggest reasons for this letter was actually Paul, because he knew that, was trying to set things straight in the church for after he was gone. He was trying to set things in order so that the church would be healthy and functioning long after Paul was gone. Okay, we're going to get into this, but whether he was imprisoned or executed, here's the thing. The church is going to go on. Church was moving. The church is bigger than Paul. Bigger than Paul. And Paul knew that, and he knew that the church was going to go on. Um, okay, I do want to pause here because uh, this is a great point for, for us as the American church to just understand the, and to sit with. Unfortunately, the American church has, and it really can become far too centralized on one person. Um, it can become far too pastor-centric. And I know this is super awkward that I'm the one telling you this. Um, but it, become, it can become far too pastor-centric, and we can forget that the church is so much bigger, so much better than a, the pastor that currently serves it or the pastor who founded it. Um, and I mean, no matter how good that pastor is, even if we're talking about the Apostle Paul himself, like this letter, the church is bigger. The church is bigger than one person. The church is not defined by the pastor or limited to the pastor. And most importantly, the church doesn't exist to serve the pastor. Um, the church is so much bigger and so much better and more rich and more full than one person or the gifts of one person. It makes me think of the celebrity culture that we currently kind of have in our out there, um, which is just the worst. It really, really is. I mean, we have people who are famous for being famous. That's the line, right? And that's it. That's, oh, my goodness. Okay, it's one thing for that to happen out there. It's the worst, but it's one thing for it to happen out there. Um, but, man, pastor celebrity culture is way worse because Scripture just doesn't allow it. And Jesus doesn't share his glory. And I want to tell you, pastors make terrible, lousy substitute saviors. If you're looking for salvation in me or any other pastor, you are going to be disappointed. We will 
let you down. And even the good ones make absolutely lousy idols. Now, respect and honor, yeah, Scripture talks about that. New Testament talks about us and respecting of elders and pastors and honor and prayer. Yes, 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 yes. But celebrity worship, no. No. Um, Scripture calls us to give glory to one, to the Son, to Christ, sole deo gloria. Um, The church is about bringing glory to Christ, and Paul understood this. And Paul understood that in this moment, toward the end, um, that this movement, this church, was much, was much more than him, and it would continue long after he was gone, and it would continue, guess what, all the way to us today who are rallied around this letter to see what the Word of God has to say. That's awesome. And so let's look at a mirror here. I know this is awkward because it's me saying this. That's fine. You need to hear me say this. Stone Oak Bible Church is not defined by me. It's so much bigger than me. It should never be defined by me, Ever. Um, It's about Jesus. We are his people coming together, his workmanship coming together in Christ. And my prayer is that Stone Oak Bible Church will long, 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 long outlive me. We're the body of Christ. So let me just state the obvious. I've said this, but I want to make it personal. I make a lousy substitute savior. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Now, I want to reflect the uh, glory of God in my role, but I'm never called to steal the glory of God in my role. Um, I am called to point to the Savior, but never to take the Savior's place. It's Christ who died for Stone Oak. It is Christ who called Stone Oak, and it is Christ who is the head of Stone Oak Bible Church. And here in this letter, we are going to see the Apostle Paul's incredible heart for this church that he started, this church in Ephesus that he started this church that would long outlive him. And here Paul is going to express his heart and concerns that the work would continue to move forward, okay? So that's our author. Our author is Paul. Paul is the author. Let's move to our recipient. Who did Paul write this letter to? Well, fortunately, our text, very direct on this. Verse two, to Timothy. How how cool is that? To Timothy, my true child in the faith, he says. This is Timothy. Um, And this is why this letter is called 1 Timothy, Um, because it's the first letter in Scripture that's addressed to Timothy. Um, Listen, Paul met Timothy. Um, We have it recorded in Acts 16. Don't need to turn with me here. This is a this is beautiful. Paul meets him, and, he, and right off the bat, Paul sees potential in this young, this young man. And Paul takes him under his wing. As a young man, takes him under his wing. And Timothy becomes one of Paul's disciples in, um, in the faith and in ministry. And here's a cool thing. I love this. Um, oh, I love this. Timothy had an incredible grandmother and an incredible mother. How many grandmothers do we have here? How many moms do we have here? Listen, Timothy, this great man of God, was the fruit of a godly grandmother and mother. 
In fact, 2 Timothy 1.5 says this about our man Timothy. Paul says this about him. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Okay, how cool is that? Like, Lois and Eunice are here giving a shout out on the pages of Scripture. <laughs> That's just so cool. Because of their faith in, in love for Christ, but also because of the faithful gospel seeds that they planted in their grandson and in their son. Moms, grandmoms here in this room, I'll extend it to grandpas and dads. Um, but listen, what you do matters. What you do matters. They planted gospel seeds that produced, boom, like tenfold here in the life of Timothy. And in fact, I want to just call it out here. Timothy, as gifted as a young man as he was, um, Timothy was the product of discipleship. He was. He was the product of discipleship, a discipleship that started in his home with his grandmother and his mom, and that extended into his ministry with Paul. Church, discipleship matters. It matters. And I, I love this in our text, going back to our text. Paul says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. And this is an incredible statement that shows Paul's love and affection for Timothy, yes. But it also communicates Paul, his discipleship relationship with Timothy. We say this a lot around here, and I'm gonna just put this up here just for kicks. Uh, discipleship is up, down, and all around. We say this a lot here. We say it's up because it's about those people who are above us, who are pouring into us to make us more like Jesus. We say it's down because it's about us now pouring into those who are below us to make, as we become more like Jesus and as we help them to become more like Jesus and church, it's all around. It's all around, meaning that you stand shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters who encourage and strengthen you and who you encourage and strengthen in the faith to make us collectively more like Jesus. That is discipleship and that is the church. That's exactly what we see in Timothy's life. He'd been discipled. This discipleship helped channel all that youthful energy and talent and put it on the right path for the glory of God. Discipleship matters, and we need it more today than ever. The, disciple, the church should be a discipleship hub like that, uh, uh, where we learn how to grow and follow Jesus better um, the church should be a discipleship center. And not only that, but what I love about this is that this discipleship crosses age barriers. It crosses cultural barriers and socioeconomic barriers and race barriers. Why is that? It's because Jesus brought us all together. That is really incredible. And Timothy here was the product of his grandmother's faithful ministry. Timothy, it's the product of his mom. 
and her relentlessly faithful ministry to point him to Jesus. And he was the product of Paul and Paul's faithful ministry to point him to Jesus. Question for you. Um, Have you ever been discipled like this? Are you being currently discipled like this? Are you discipling like this? This is one of the main reasons we exist here as a church. One of the main reasons um, why we gather on a Sunday morning around this with the people of God and we sing and we remember Christ in communion. Why? It's discipleship. We want to learn how to grow and become more like Jesus together, day by day, little by little, we are being discipled. This is why we gather in smaller groups. Why? Um, from our community groups to our habits group, this is why. It's so that we can, we take time out of the busyness of life and all that we have going on because we are growing in Christ's likeness together. And we see the value of that being together. It's discipleship, men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry. It's for discipleship. Oh my goodness, can we just talk about why we serve in kids' ministry? You saw the army that left the room a few minutes ago. Like, insane. Do we want future Timothys here in our church? We do. I do. I have three young men. And I want this for them. And if we want future Timothys in our church, then let's get to work. Let's link arms. And let's disciple them together. You don't know the impact you're having. You don't know the future Timothys that you're training up. It's discipleship. This is why we have a mentor program at our church where we see cross-age uh, discipleship happening here at our church. It's so that we can see the next Timothys here at Stone Oak Bible Church raised up, growing its discipleship. And I think it's easy for us to believe that this is um, reserved for the specialized Christians who have the seminary degrees. Like they're, the, they're the ones who are supposed to, to do this. Hear me, church. This is for all of us, from Grandmother Lois to the Apostle Paul and every single one in between. This is for all of us, to be discipled, to make disciples. This is our mission together. It's your mission given to you by by Jesus himself. Um, And this is my prayer, that our church would be a church where we see Timothy's, the next generation. And we have a part to play. As I mentioned, we had that army leave us uh, a minute ago, our army of children who left. And um, it's not just the parents' job to point that army to Jesus. It's ours. It's all of ours together. I know personally I am the product of a lot of people who have no idea the impact they have had on me, who pointed me to Jesus. And I pray for this. pray for a ministry like Paul that will long, 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 long outlive us. I pray for that. Discipleship matters. Um, and uh, one other thing here as we look at our, at our text um, together here and we think about this greeting if you notice, Paul's other letters, like 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians or 
Philippians. Uh, better yet, uh, Ephesians. Um, if, you, if you look at these, these letters are named after and written to an entire congregation. Okay, so you'll see, for example, in uh, the book of Ephesians, for, for just to grab a quick one, it's, it'll say something to the effect of to the saints in Ephesus, right, right there in the intro. And so it was a letter to the congregation at Ephesus or Corinth or Philippi. But here in 1 Timothy, it's different. We have a letter that is addressed to one guy, to Timothy, specifically to a pastor, a very young and gifted pastor um, named Timothy. And um, this letter, 1 Timothy, because of that fact, is known as a pastoral epistle. Uh, There's only three of them in all of Scripture. You have 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. There's only three of them that are like this. Um, But they are written to, to the pastor of the church. So quick question for us as we begin this letter. Um, I've heard this asked before, but let's take Ephesians. We have Ephesians, uh, which was written to the entire congregation at Ephesus. And we have 1 Timothy that is written to the pastor of the congregation at Ephesus. Question for you. Um, Why should we as a church collectively be looking at this letter? Um, Pastor, isn't this letter for you? Shouldn't you study this? Um, Why should we? It's a good question because here's the thing. I mean, it absolutely communicates a message that is critical and essential for a pastor. As a pastor, I need to immerse myself into this letter. I need to know it and I need to study it and I don't want to forget it and I want to obey it, all those things. But at the same time, this letter is going to communicate a message that is absolutely crucial for us as the church as a whole, as Christians, as as members of the body, as members of the local church. We need to know this. We need to read it, and we need to walk it. Um, Here's why I say this. What we are going to see in this letter is um, Paul is identifying some threats, some common threats that the early church was facing. And these threats very real, and here's the thing. These threats are very similar to the ones that we face today. Um, You're going to see that these are the same threats that we see in our day, in our community, um, even in our church. And this letter is going to help us to be able to spot these threats and to protect ourselves in the church from these threats and to be more faithful in our role in the local church. Um, How many know that the church is not a spectator sport? I'm going to say this. I know you already know this. I'm just going to say it anyway. The church is not a product, and you are not a consumer. The church is not a performance, and uh, you are not a fan. The church is not a concert or a public service, and you are not a spectator. Church is a family. It's a family of one body in Christ, and because of the Holy Spirit now, how cool is this? You're a participant. Um, Not a fan in the stands, and not even a player who's just on the bench waiting, but as a child of God, you're in the game. Like, you are a participant in the mission that God has given us. The scripture 
says that the church is like a body, the head is like Christ, and underneath Christ we have all these body parts, and it says you're one of them. You're one of them. And, and that means that you all have spiritual gifts, and these gifts, here's, I'm going to pop your bubble. Those gifts are awesome. They were given to you, but here's the thing, they're not given to you for you. They're given to you for us. Because you're a member on the field. You're, you're a participant. This letter is going to help us, church, understand who we are and our role in this church. It's going to first and foremost increase our love for Christ, but it's also going to increase our love for Christ's church. Um, the reality is, is that scripture does not give us this is awkward again for a pastor to be saying this. I'm just going to say it anyway. The scripture does not give us the option to say yes to Jesus, but no to his bride. The scripture does not give us to say the, the, the ability to say yes to Jesus, but no to the church. Boo, don't like the church. Scripture does not give us the option for this. For us to say yes to Jesus as my Lord, but no, not a part of your family. Scripture does not, Jesus does not give us that option, does not give you that option. In Christ, you are a part of the church. Um, not optional. Lone Ranger Christians are not biblical. They sound awesome. They make good movies, but they're not biblical. <laughs> they're not. Um, the question is not, whether or not you are a part of the church, hear me, the question is whether or not you will be faithful and obedient to what scripture gives you as a part of the church. The question is, will you be faithful? Will you be obedient? I wanna quote some dead guys real quick. Okay, um, real dead, like long time ago. 251 AD, dead. So, this is Cyprian. He says, no one can have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. How, like, straightforward is that? That's pretty cool. Um, and then over 150 years later, I picked these two dead guys for a reason. Hopefully you'll see that. Over 150 years later, and this is in the earliest church when things are forming and coming together, right? 150 years later, we have my man, St. Augustine, who I think is the most influential Western theologian Period. Period. Doesn't that sound familiar? He says, he, do, he who does not have the church as his mother does not have God as his father. He just took it. He just plagiarized. <laughs> you see this? And this is like hundreds of years later. So that means what he said had just become the mantra enough for my man to plagiarize him later. This is, this is incredible. It shows us that from the earliest teachings of the earliest church, they are reminding us that Christ and church are not separate. They are together. They are one. They are a package from the very beginning. Scripture does not give us the option to have one and not the other, to be part of Christ and not a part of the church. Um, these men showed us. That wasn't an option. And this is all the more reason for us to dig into 1 Timothy, all the more reason why we need it, why we need it. Um, since the local church is not an optional part of the Christian life, then we must invest ourselves together in this. Um, 
into each other, being faithful to this, in this. And we must love what God loves, his church, and care for the church as this letter that we're about to read calls us to care for it. This letter is for us today. It's timely for us today. We've mentioned this several times. I'm going to say it again. We are at the beginning of a new season together as a church. Uh, We really are. We have new ministries launching. Um, We're so grateful for this beautiful location that we're able to come together and gather in. We've seen growth, and we're grateful for that. But here's the thing. None of that matters, none of it, if we're not faithful to this. None of it. In other words, um, it's not just about us growing. It's about what we are growing and how we are growing. Not all growth is good. You know that. Weeds are not good. Um, Bad things grow too. Sometimes they grow quicker. Um, Unhealthy things grow. So we need to be concerned, not just about growing, but about are we faithful to this? Are we faithful to this? Are we, are we worshiping our God by growing in Christ, growing together? Are we making disciples? Are we being disciples? Are we training up Timothys? Are, are we all playing our part in this? Are we playing our part in the role that God has given us, given you specifically, to play in this? Are we protecting our church from false ideas and from those who would seek to destroy it? Um, from slander and all those fun things, dividing? Are we protecting? Are we helping protect our church against false gospel? Are you playing your part in this? I'll say it again. The enemy does not want our church to be healthy. He does not like that we are stepping into 1 Timothy together. And so here's the question for us today, and this is the question that 1 Timothy is going to set before us in our time together in this letter. Um, We may trust God for our salvation and praise God for that, but will we also trust him with his plan for you and your role in the church? Will you trust him with what he says about you, what he says about his church and the way the church should function and the way the church should be led and all these things we're going to see? Will we trust him? Will we obey him? And we're here at the beginning of this incredibly powerful letter, um, and I want us to start off with the right heart from the right place and with the right posture. And the right posture is this. Open, open-handed. Um, as we close together, I like to close in a different way, but this is a different morning, so that's okay. Um, I, uh, I would actually like to, to finish together and just praying a simple prayer together, and this is actually the words of a, of a hymn. And uh, confession, I took the liberty to modify this hymn. <gasps> okay, not bad, I promise. Um, all I did... Relax. All I did was, um, this is a very personal, reflective, introspective hymn. All I did was change pronouns, okay? From, uh, from the my's to our. From, 
me to us, for the eyes to we. Other than that, I didn't change anything, okay? So we're going we're gonna to end with this hymn. I came across this hymn this week, actually, just by the grace of God, came across this hymn, and I thought it would be just a perfect way for us to close our time together and a perfect way for us to begin 1 Timothy um, together. It's a hymn that puts us in the right posture. I think that's important. So I'm going to put it on the screen, and I would like for us to just, you can do it. We're going to read it together as our prayer together as we close and respond. So I want to invite you, would you stand with me? And I want to pray this together as a church. And remember, the right posture before the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, let our hearts be good soil. Open to the seed of your word. Lord, let our hearts be good soil where love can grow and peace is understood. When our hearts are hard, break the stone away. When our hearts are cold, warm them with the day. When our hearts are lost, lead us on your way. Lord, let our hearts be good soil.